This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Monday afternoon, a brand new week, October 2nd. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. New numbers track the production and sales of electric vehicles. We'll update that in our next segment. But right now, the week of economic data will end with the release of the government jobs report for September on Friday. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Tom Hudson financial journalist based in Miami. Tom, thank you for joining us today. And let's set the table for Friday morning at 7.30 Central Time when the September employment report comes out. And uh, the last report surprised to the downside, and uh, the markets reacted well to that because it was a sign that maybe that some of the inflationary pressure was coming out of the job market. Is more of the same expected this time around? Yeah, it is. Deacceleration, right? That's going to be perhaps one of the words we may hear on Friday, that the job market still remains uh, pretty robust and is still uh, going forward, but it's not going forward. It's not moving forward as fast as it once was, which is a good sign here. It is a disinflationary forces at work with the Federal Reserve continuing to raise interest rates and still focused on inflation that has slowed down in hiring happening here, in part because of the uh, ultra-low unemployment rate as well. There's not a lot of folks coming back to the job market despite some wage hikes. The slowdown in the pace of hiring, while still positive, should be greeted uh, in a market um, that is really poised one way or the other to kind of break up or break down based upon really what the Federal Reserve is likely to do as we move into the next calendar year. And while this is the biggest employment report coming out this week, it is one of three. We do have the ADP report on Wednesday morning, the private payroll number. And and generally, the private number and the Department of Labor number don't necessarily agree. Uh, no, they don't. Um, the ADP number is, of course, gathered by ADP, which is a large payroll processing company, but it's not capturing the same kind of population that the Bureau of Labor Statistics is surveying for its two different pieces of information that goes into that Friday jobs report. Don't forget that the number of jobs created or not created comes from a a survey of actual companies, whereas the unemployment report comes from a different set of data that the Bureau of Labor Statistics gathers, which is actually asking people who are involved in the job market, presumably, whether or not they've been working. We're talking to financial journalist Tom Hudson in Miami, and then the JOLTS report comes out this week. And the the bottom line is, I mean, my interpretation of the JOLTS report is who's quitting their job? And uh, if you quit your job, you're pretty confident you're getting the new one. 
That's right. It's that, that quit rate that is really important. If you are voluntarily leaving full-time employment, presumably most people do that because they've got their eyes on the prize of another job uh, for multiple different reasons. Maybe it could be lifestyle changes. Uh, likely maybe it could be a pay differential as well. That's really what's to look at there. Another piece of that JOLTS report that will be out uh, midweek is the number of job openings that companies have. Uh, what is the demand for employment? On Friday, we get the supply side. On, on Wednesday, I think it is when the JOLTS number comes, what's the demand side? What's, what's the number of open positions that uh, companies in the United States have that are likely or that they want to be filled by folks? And then very quickly, Tom, uh, Ann touched on it uh, briefly, the uh, manufacturing PMI report, a little bit of improvement. Yeah, a little bit of improvement there. Nothing really to write home about, though. You know, slight expansion. That's important. Don't forget this stock market, though, and the bond market's looking at the next interest rate move. The stock market's looking at what do earnings look like in the first quarter of next year or even the second quarter at this point. Tom Hudson, financial journalist based in Miami. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, a look at some of the latest numbers from the electric vehicle market. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. We're getting a snapshot of the electric vehicle market through reports from Tesla and Rivian. We're joined by John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv based in Detroit. John, thank you for joining us today. And Tesla reporting. 435,000 deliveries in the third quarter and a production of 430,000 vehicles. And, and put those numbers in context for us. How is this picture uh, changing compared to previous years? Sure thing. Well, Tesla sales were down a little bit. The company blames uh, plant closings to do retooling for new models. You know, We'll need more data to see if that was really the case because those plants are back up and running right now. But uh, that's got some people concerned that maybe Tesla sales could be slowing. Others say, no, it's just a blip in what's going on right now. And then looking at uh, Illinois-based Rivian, uh, it produced 16,000 vehicles during the third, third quarter. And, of course, it's a drop in the bucket compared to Tesla, but Rivian is uh, relatively new compared to uh, Elon Musk's company, which is right now the gold standard in EV production. That's right. Rivian is making progress. It's uh, going through the production struggles with building electrics that every automaker seems to be going through, but it is making progress. The numbers are not enough. It really needs to build a whole lot more than that, but at least it's uh, showing that it's going to be able to increase production going forward. Whether you're Rivian or Tesla, what are the biggest challenges in building EVs these days? Well, that's hard. I mean, there, there's a number of issues. Number one is just being able to make sure that uh, any automaker can get the raw materials that it needs. Uh, there's so much demand for this right now that for some, it, it can be hard to get. But there's a lot of struggles in uh, just assembling these battery packs. Uh, General Motors, for example, has say, said that it hasn't has not been able to get the, the automation equipment. It's literally th that it needs to make batteries. It's literally making them by hand right now. It, it, it's just astonishing to see uh, companies that have been around a long time struggling almost as hard as the, the startups to get this production going, Rob. We're talking to John McElroy of Autoline TV in Detroit. Now, Tesla can... Uh produce 430,000 vehicles a month, according to their most uh, latest figures. 
How does that stack up to a traditional big three plant? I mean, I know, I know. Right now, the answer is zero. Uh, but you know, how many uh, explorers did the uh, Ford plant on Torrance Avenue on the southeast side of Chicago produce before the strike? Yeah, I don't have those numbers, uh, you know, right at my fingertips. But you know, uh, a typical legacy auto plant is tooled up to do about two hundred and fifty thousand vehicles a year, more or less. Tesla's production at its plants, they're astounding. Uh, You know, its plant in China is a massive, massive facility. It's still bringing a couple of plants up to speed, one in Austin, Texas, another in Berlin, Germany. It's building a new assembled plant in Mexico. So even though Tesla's uh, total production footprint is smaller than most of the, the legacy automakers, uh, the, the output at any of its plants are are amazing. And, you know, to put it in perspective, um, Tesla is already bigger than Mazda. It's bigger than Subaru on a global basis. They'll probably end up this year very close to having the same production capacity that BMW does. So it, it's coming on like gangbusters. John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv in Detroit. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, examining unrest in the healthcare industry. Investing 60 minutes each weekday for planning for the future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. An impending strike by 75,000 workers is the latest sign of employment issues in the healthcare industry. We welcome in Bruce Japson, Chicago-based healthcare writer for Forbes. Bruce, thank you for joining us today. And where is is this next uh, strike going to hit? Well, Rob, thanks for having me. This is um, uh, Kaiser Permanente, which is one of the nation's largest healthcare providers. They, they're they not uh, big in the Midwest, but they are definitely on the West Coast and in the Washington, D.C. area. And they are in a titanic battle with their healthcare, union healthcare workers, which is uh, 75,000, and there could be a strike um, as, as early as, as this week, which would be quite significant because in this economy, we've, we're seeing a period, we're in a period of low unemployment. And so when that happens, I mean, just for myself, who's covered uh, workplace issues before, when there's a period of low unemployment, um, your boss is nice to you because you can get a job and go somewhere else. So when you add into the effect of health care, when you have these healthcare workers, they all went in the office and continue to go into the office and go into work during the pandemic. And the, the great resignation, if you will, um, has hit that healthcare workforce really hard. And so it's already a difficult time to recruit doctors, nurses, um, all sorts of healthcare workers. And now you have the possibility of a strike. That's bad news because um, it could actually have some impact on, on work here. If Kaiser Permanente starts advertising for bonuses or they need um, temporary workers uh, out there when hospitals in, in Chicago and across the country are already using lots of health, temporary health care workers, uh, it's a big it could, it's, it could be a, a, a huge national situation, even though. It's largely going to be um, on the West Coast. We're talking to Bruce Japson from Forbes, and as you said, this is a, this is a strike with a direct impact on the West Coast if it were to happen. But the issues you talk about, uh, inflation, the great resignation resulting in staff shortages, and just the emotional burnout that comes with being on the front line of this pandemic for three years, those are nationwide issues. So this could ripple across the country. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, you 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 have um, healthcare is is a lot. Uh, you know, people say, hey, that's a that's a young man's game. I mean, um, and, you know, if you're younger and you don't have a family and, and you want to sign up to to work for one of these staffing companies and and can travel the world and and be a temporary worker and make a lot of money doing that. That only goes so far, and and we're already seeing. I see a lot of financial reports of hospitals where what they're spending on staffing is rising, um, because a lot of them during the pandemic and such they use temporary workers. So I can only imagine if there's a strike um, with seventy five thousand workers with these hospitals, there there will be a ripple effect, and there really needs to be. Um, I hear I see a lot of talk about it, but some policy decisions, you know, you, you do see um, we, we have, you know, do we need new medical schools? Do we need more residency funding for residencies? Do we need uh, find a ways to encourage people to go into high? These healthcare jobs are generally pay pretty well, but it's it's a problem and something that needs to be addressed, not only by. Um, the people who are facing the strike now, but more broadly, some of our policy makers who are um, monkeying around with government shutdowns. Bruce Jepson, writer for Forbes. Thanks for joining us today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. We're learning more about the victims of a deadly weekend crash south of Chicago involving a truck carrying dangerous chemicals. A civil trial in New York centers on alleged financial fraud by the Trump Organization. There is help available for people looking to renew or obtain a passport at a time when the process can be painfully slow. It's Stock Picker Monday. We'll get a couple of suggestions from an investing pro. WBBM Business, the markets are mixed. The Dow is down 161 points. The NASDAQ is up 37. The S&P 500 is down 15. 83 degrees right now in Chicago under mostly sunny skies, going up to 87 today. Cooler along the lakefront, it's 1231. And topping our news at the half hour, the Effingham County Coroner has released the names of five people killed in a truck crash and hazardous material leak in downstate Tutopolis on Friday night. WBBM's Nancy Hardy has the story. 34-year-old Kenneth Bryan and his two children, 7-year-old Rosie and 10-year-old Walker, are among those killed by the anhydrous ammonia leak. The coroner says a man from Twinsburg, Ohio, and another from New Haven, Missouri, were also killed when a tanker truck jackknifed on Route 40 in Tutopolis. The NTSB investigation so far indicates the truck crashed when another vehicle tried to pass it, sending it off the road and puncturing the chemical container. Investigators say about half of the 7,500 gallons spilled, prompting an evacuation of the nearby town. Anhydrous ammonia is used by farmers as a fertilizer and as a refrigerant in large cooling systems. Nancy Hardy, News Radio 105.9 WBBM. Former President Trump is in a Manhattan courtroom today for the civil trial involving his business dealings. This is New York Attorney General Letitia James. Donald Trump and the other defendants have con- committed persistent and repeated fraud, 
Last week, we proved that in our motion for summary judgment. Today, uh, we will prove our other claims. The former president writes on his social media platform that the whole case is, in his words, a sham. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are mixed today. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Gary Kulpbaum, president, Kulpbaum Capital Management based in Orlando. Find him online at GaryK.com. Gary, thank you for joining us today. What is moving the markets this afternoon? Uh, well, my worries remain, and the, my motto has been if interest rates keep going higher, the markets are going to suffer. And uh, we're now at another uh, 15-year high today at uh, 4.67 on the 10-year, uh, which is not good news. And I can tell you that there are certain areas of the market I follow very closely. The financials are breaking into new relative lows. The utilities Interest rate sensitive have basically been crumbling. And in a day like today with the NASDAQs up, advanced declines are 990 up, 2668 down. So they're again, you know, parking money into the bigger names. So just call me worried here, not only about markets, but the economy, as I think debt laden consumer as well as government, uh, I'm not so sure can continue to stand uh, higher interest rates. And every day seems like a new high. And generally, what uh, what story is that telling you based on the sectors that you follow? Uh, it's too much debt. Uh, I believe uh, the whole world is laden with debt. Our government's been taunting markets in the economy. Uh, if you think about this, this year, our deficit's going to be $2 trillion. That's more than all the federal spending in the year 2000. And very simple, Economics 101 states, the more debt you have, the more the lenders are going to ask for higher rates to account for that uh, higher debt. And I think that's what you're seeing now, the free markets yelling and screaming. And uh, Jay Powell no longer can print any money uh, to buy up the bonds to take them down to zero because of the inflation that created. So uh, I call it a little boxed in like mixed nuts. And uh, as we speak right now, just the action is... uh, uh, very worrying for me. We're talking to Gary Kalpam, President Kalpam Capital Management, based in Orlando. Uh, on the subject of consumer debt, uh, one of the uh, big movers in the S and P 500, at least in early trading, uh, was Discover. So people are still spending, despite the fact that uh, a number of analyses say that the uh, pandemic era savings that uh, were built up via aid or other means uh, is long gone. Um, the issue is. If, if you look at any chart of uh, the savings rates, it has plunged. Look at any chart of credit card usage, it has skyrocketed. Then go look at the chart of interest rates on credit cards, which have skyrocketed also. And I just think uh, it's just, to, to me, a one-two punch. And look, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope the consumer lives forever. But I'm just wondering that the consumer's living off credit cards a little too much And in the past, history dictates it's only a matter of time before the run out is there and the uh, retail business uh, gets in trouble. And I can tell you, retail stocks have been the bear market for quite a while. So, again, I like to think optimistic, but I deal in facts and numbers and uh, less than thrilling this second. Hopefully it gets better.
Gary Kulpbaum, President of Kulpbaum Capital Management, based in Orlando. Thank you for joining us today. Find him online at GaryK.com. Coming up next, help in navigating the choppy waters of getting a passport. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. There have been issues for people looking to obtain or renew a passport with delays forcing some to miss out on a trip. Let's update the situation with David Alwadish, President and CEO of It'seasy.com, based in New York. Dave David, thank you for joining us today. And 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 the f- first things first, the uh, news that the uh, Congress managed to avert a government shutdown has got to be very good news for travelers uh, who want to get a new passport before too long. That's correct. Uh, sometimes, historically, it's been proven that um, they sometimes manage to find funding for that because it's so important. They have travelers worldwide. But yes, it was still nevertheless it was a very good thing for everybody. You, you never know. Now, what how, what is the typical wait time for a passport these days? Because I know there were uh, certainly some long delays uh, during the early COVID period when you had uh, government workers working remotely and you were having a hard time trying to just get everybody together. Has that been mostly worked out? Not, not really. I think uh, to put things in perspective, uh, pre-COVID, before COVID, uh, you could get a expedited passport renewal when you mailed them in in two to three weeks if everything was fine. And if you didn't want to pay the extra $60 expedite fee, then they were coming in four to six weeks. Now we're, uh, we're up to uh, uh, seven to nine weeks and, and counting and 10 to 12 weeks and counting respectively for non-rush. So uh, people, are, people are trying to get appointments to go uh, to the agency uh, for immediate passports, for immediate trips. It's, it's still a little helter-skelter. And then uh, it, it's 10 years for an adult passport, five years for uh, children under the age of 16. And when should you, I mean, obviously you should do it now if you have an expiration date coming up. But there was a question I had. Uh, let's say your passport is up in November of next year, so November of 24. But you're planning on traveling over the summer. Is your will, will your passport be accepted all the way up until the expiration date? Or should you have a new one uh, even before you go? Uh, exceptional question. No, there's a six-month rule a law that most countries are enforcing as as well as the United States. And therefore countries that you're thinking of going to might not even let you board an airplane and leave the United States unless you have at least six months left on your passport from when you return. So it pays not to play around. It's a 10 year passport. Like you say, get it done early, do it soon, plan ahead, plan ahead, plan ahead. And then why does it take so long to uh, to for your passport application to be processed? I mean, clearly there's a lot of uh, background checks and things like that. But is it just is it is it their own the federal government's own process for uh, running these applications through? Is it uh, the, the the thoroughness of, of which you're vetted? How does this work? So every up. That's right. So it, it takes a long time because we've really hit a perfect storm since COVID. I think COVID was the uh, the first domino that sort of uh, tipped everything out. Um, it, they have they have been so overwhelmed with applications and then the shorthanded help and then applications, which is interesting. Many people are handwriting applications. And what that does, believe it or not, I never really thought about it until this year. Handwriting applications only forces the examiner, instead of scanning them, to uh, type them. So this has been an overwhelming task, in all due respect for the government. 
uh, this has been a nightmare because they were down to two weeks uh, and four weeks respectively before COVID. Now, David, that's an actually a very interesting point because I don't know about you, but uh, thanks to computers, uh, my once impeccable fifth grade penmanship uh, has degraded rapidly because I don't do a whole lot of handwriting anymore. So now I, I have a, a, a very I I have chicken scratch just like the rest of us, and I guess forcing it's a hard time making my own family read my handwriting. I can't imagine uh, a government employee who I don't even know. My, my, my heart goes out to them. A hundred percent, especially when you're doing, when you see stacks of, of, of uh, applications that could be uh, needed to be typed behind you, it becomes an overwhelming day. And I do want to point out, um, I have a phenomenal, I mean sincerely, a phenomenal app. It, uh, you search, the search word is, it's easy, I-T-S-E-A-S-Y. And when you use that app, we automatically type the form and barcode it the way the government wants it. So when you send in your application, the government can scan it and it's done. And they'll be very, very happy for that for that privilege. David Alwadish, president and CEO of itseasy.com based in New York. Thank you for the insight today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday and still to come, ideas from our Monday stock picker. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Stock Picker Monday and lending his expertise this afternoon is Bill Uliveri, owner of Senecal Capital Management in Glenview. Find him online, senecalcapital.com. Bill, thank you for joining us today and and your stock picks today come with a disclaimer, not for the faint of heart. So uh, let's uh, give that seatbelt an extra tug and dive in. Well, spending 30 years from the, on the trading floor, we tend to do good, um, you know, feeding the crowd and, and looking for contrarian ideas. But here we are in the face of rising interest rates. And one of the home construction indexes I follow actually doubled in value in the face of rising rates. And Rob, we're actually going to cover this in one of our lunch and learns on Friday. But having said that, the Dow Jones U.S. Real Estate ETF, the symbol is IYR, that's down 33 percent. And many, many investment real estate investment trusts are down between 30 and 40 percent from their post-pandemic high. So our suggestions, our picks for today are two real estate investment trusts. The first one is Tanger Factory Outlet Center. Uh, the symbol is SKT, Sam uh, kryptonite Thomas, <laughs> uh, it pays a 4.35% annual dividend. And in our opinion, it broke out of a four-year trading slump. And it's around $22.50 a share. And I think it's in a positive trend. And I suspect that their new app and their uh, customer rewards across their outlet centers are going to perform well. They're kind of bridging the gap between online and in-person uh, shopping mall experience. Then our second pick is Omega Healthcare Properties. That symbol is OHI. Now, Omega Healthcare Properties is a real estate investment trust, but instead of holding property, they hold mortgages and leases in skilled nursing facilities, assisted living facilities, and independent living facilities. Now, they pay an 8.14% dividend stream, and they're priced at about $33 a share. So as long as you believe that that type of um, skilled care and healthcare is going to be a part of our economy for the next 10, 20 years as baby boomers, uh, including myself, begin to age, it probably would be a good place to look uh, for a contrarian place to get a good dividend stream and, you know, buy a sector of the economy that's down 35, 40 percent. 
So the uh, Omega Healthcare property symbol is OHI. The uh, the the future oriented play there is pretty self evident, just given an aging aging population. But let's go back to the Tangier uh, Factory Outlet Center. Uh, what is it about outlet malls that makes them more attractive from a real estate perspective? Well, I'm not so sure necessarily that the outlet mall in and of itself is so much more attractive. I'm just saying that it's interesting that they've had now you know four, five, six years. Uh, maybe even more of lower and lower participation and people shopping, people being way more friendly to the online uh, and ease of shopping through Amazon and other online vendors. But maybe people are just getting a little bit tired of shopping from the convenience of their cell phone and want an outdoor experience. They're clean, beautifully organized uh, outlet malls. And if you buy something at one mall and you do a price check anywhere in the country, 36 locations plus some in Canada, you can get a rebate or a gift card if you paid too much more for your item than you did at any other mall across the United States. So I think that that's kind of interesting. And the app seems to be friendly with a good user interface. And I don't know, perhaps they're opening up more shops in the southern belt rather than here in the, uh, in the rust belt, Rob. So maybe that's it. It could be just the fact that um, maybe these are two plays uh, for the baby boomer generation where us old schoolers like to go out and walk the mall a little bit. And there's a way of interacting and, again, bridging the gap between the old world and the new uh, online shopping experience. Bill Uliveri, owner of Senecal Capital Management in Glenview. Thanks for joining us today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.